Hey everyone, before we start on this episode, we wanted to let you know that you can watch our Catalog and Cocktails episode live with us every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Central via Zoom. Check the link in our bio for more information, and we hope you join us in the discussion in real time. Now, let's get back to the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to your next weekly edition of Catalog and Cocktails, where uh, we've got our uh, honest chat about data and then the world of data and uh, how it affects data management and all sorts of different aspects. So we've got a really uh, exciting and special guest for you today, which we'll introduce in, in just a second. Uh, for those of you that are new to Catalog and Cocktails, uh, uh, we spend the first uh, 30 minutes of time here kind of talking and uh, today we have uh, an awesome guest. Uh, and then afterwards, we kind of hang out and we do some live chat afterwards. So uh, happy to have you here. Go ahead and stay muted. And uh, afterwards, we can we can unmute and chat a little bit more. Uh, I'm Tim Gasper, Director of Product at Data.World and uh, joined by Juan. Good afternoon, Tim. I'm Juan Cicada. I'm the Principal Scientist at Data.World. And always, this is our, our honest, uh, no BS, non-salesy conversation about enterprise data management with some tasty beverage in hand. So uh, our, our break in the middle of the week. How are you doing, Tim? Um, I'm doing excellent. Um, and I know we've got some tasty beverages here, which we'll talk about, but we actually are joined by uh, a very special guest, uh, Dwayne, uh, who is from uh, AP and is the uh, Director of Corporate News, ESG, and Data Licensing. Hey, Dwayne, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Great to be here. Thank you so much. So how are you, how are you doing, Dwayne? How's your day, middle, middle of the week going on, and what are you drinking today? Uh, well, let's start with the good stuff. <laughs> so I have an Americano in hand, Campari, sweet vermouth, and a little bit of soda, and lots of ice. Interesting. Yeah. Is there a name for that drink? Americano, it's called. Americano, okay, but not the coffee version. This is the uh, the boozy version. The good version. Well, the coffee <laughs> version is pretty good, too, but this is the good version, exactly. Yeah, it's so a pre-dinner drink uh, for our conversation today, guys. That's awesome. Well, I'm having a, a gin and tonic, and it's green because I put some cucumber in it. I like this nice. drink. You know, uh, cucumber is good for you, so that's good one. Exactly. It helps me balance it out. Yeah, we were joking ahead of time that uh, it's like juicing, but but alcohol style. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm drinking a, a Mexican mule, kind of keeping it simple here, uh, but but uh, trying a, a little twist on the typical Moscow mule. So cheers, y'all. Cheers. 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 So for everybody who's attending uh, if, on the chat, feel free to kind of chime in, say hello, where are you coming from, uh, what drink do you have in your hand, and, and um, let's start this conversation going. Just as a reminder, uh, Catalog and Cocktails, we, as a, you can find us as a podcast in Apple Podcasts and Spotify or other places. Uh, we, are, we have our community uh, Slack, so please join us at slack.data.world where we can keep the conversations going about uh, data culture, actually. So if we're going to go kind of do a quick revamp of what we've been going through, the topic in the last couple of weeks has been around data culture. And the AP, Associated Press, they're really great friends of ours, not just the data world, but personally, like we've been having a lot of great interactions with the AP, learning so much stuff from them. And just chatting with them, we realized that if there's an entity who has been around for hundreds of years and who knows data, and who has evolved in the practices of data and talk about data culture, I think AP is one of the top entities in the world who can go speak to this. And that's why I'm so excited about having this opportunity to chat with you, Dwayne. Um, 
I, I think we we got a lot to talk about here. So let's kick it off a little bit. Dwayne, tell us a little bit about you and about the AP, and especially, I think not a lot of people know about all the data journalism work that the AP does. So I'd appreciate if you can give us a little bit of intro from there. Yeah, you bet. You bet. Very happy to. Um, and I'm joined by a couple of colleagues today as well that I work really closely with on, on the data side, the Ken Romano and Jen Cooper. Um, so uh, we are a 174-year-old uh, company. Uh, AP started as a uh, not-for-profit co-op. Uh, where a couple of newspapers in New York, three actually, got together and said, "Hey, um, let's let's sort of pool resources here, and let's let, let's generate some news gathering, um, but let's sort of spread the resources among the three the three newspapers." And that was really the start of AP. Um, uh, eventually, you know, in the years that follow, we added our own reporters, uh, and our job today is really to to generate uh, a lot of news in a lot of different formats. But also a really big part of what we do as a not-for-profit co-op is uh, we broker, we share, we move all this news from a newspaper in one city to a newspaper in another city, from a radio station here to a radio station there. Uh, so, so sharing the news among the members of the AP as a co-op is one thing we do. And then, of course, our own news gathering uh, is, is uh, another huge part of our, of our mandate. Uh, we operate in about uh, 200 countries. Um, and uh, we just crank out, you know, good, high quality, uh, very neutral, right down the middle journalism every day. Uh, we don't do opinion. We'll leave that to the retail media companies. Um, so not-for-profit news co-op and news wholesaler is another way to think about us because we sell our new, the news that we create. We sell it to, to, to newsrooms around the world. Um, so that's what we do. Uh, so this is sort of data is sort of our fourth massive cultural change, because if you can think back, when TV came along, I mean, we all started as a print organization, of course, but when TV came along, it was like, oh, TV culture. How do we adapt to TV culture, right? Radio, how do we adapt to radio culture? Um, obviously, digital culture and now data. So it's sort of the, the, the next progression in terms of the media that we work with, the information that we work with and shape uh, and, uh, and deliver to customers. Um, so data is tremendously exciting. Uh, for the AP. Um, it is another language. It's another medium to, to find news in. Uh, it's another medium to deliver news uh, to all of our customers around the world. Um, it offers extraordinary benefits over, uh, let's say, you know, traditional formats. Um, it's obviously much more interactive than a story, for example. Um, and we do find that our data journalism really captures people. Um, you know, uh, duration was a big metric you know, at the start of the internet days, how long is someone going to hang on and, and read your story? Uh, data just, you know, takes that and crushes it because people are interacting with, the, you know, the visualizations um, and getting hyper-local, you know, with the data. So it's a remarkably fun time um, and AP's all in on, uh, on data, but we're learning. I mean, it's a lot to learn. It's like learning a language. Um, you got to understand how to listen to it and understand it and how to speak it. Um, and this is part of the sort of, I think where, where we're at right now as an organ, as a news organization. Yeah, no, that, that's awesome. And a, and a great introduction. And, uh, uh, I've always been very interested and astounded by all the great sort of, uh, data products that you guys are putting out there. You know, I've seen some of the things around sort of like farm subsidies and around, uh, some of the things that have been going around, um, uh, the election, obviously COVID being another thing. 
Uh, and on the on the topic of uh, of elections, obviously there's a, a a huge initiative that y'all have that I think we'll probably dive into quite a bit in today's session is around uh, AP Votecast. Uh, do you think you could talk a little bit about about what that is and and how that kind of came to be? Yeah, you bet. Um, so the backstory, uh, everybody is um, besides producing journalism. Um, since about 1848, I think, uh, AP has also taken on the, 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 the exercise of counting the votes in, in elections. So obviously the government counts the votes, right? Various election agencies and bodies and secretaries of state. Um, but that's the government. <laughs> we believe that a third party uh, without any affiliations to government should also count the vote. Um, and should count it really quickly. Uh, you know, we wait weeks for governments to certify, you know, an election result. Um, we don't want to, we don't think folks should wait weeks. Um, so we've been counting elections for decades. Uh, and uh, uh, we have a, a small army of people that uh, we deploy on every election to do that. We're, we're sending about 5,000 people uh, to polling places, uh, across the country on, on November 3rd. Um, so we've been counting the votes for a long time, uh, reporting the votes, uh, and it's an amazing data operation. It is data, it is a beautiful marriage of uh, upstream human data collection, uh, normalization. Uh, you imagine we're getting, we're collecting data from 50 states and in, in, in the territories, and uh, a lot of that data is just not normalized. I mean, it's different, you know, different values and, and different jurisdictions and all that stuff. So it's a beautiful exercise in data science to normalize it, collect it, um, vet it, make sure that you know the, the votes we collect in one precinct in November at 9 p.m. match generally the same votes as it, from the precinct in 18, 16, 14. Um, so it's a really an awesome exercise, and uh, and we deliver this data to, to companies and organizations around the world uh, in real time, uh, so they can see what is going on with U.S. elections. Um, uh, so that's uh, our primary sort of function uh, when it comes to to U.S. elections. Um, the other thing we added on, and, and uh, you know, I think everyone may be familiar with this concept of exit polls. Uh, so on election nights. Often on TV, you'll hear the anchors uh, refer to, uh, you know, the election poll says this is probably going to be the outcome or, you know, 10% of people leaving the interviewed for the exit poll think this. Um, you know, that was a standard for a long, 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 long time. And um, it turned out uh, we, were, we were using that data. We bought that data from a third party. And it just turned out that... Uh, you know, we just started to really smell that it was not good. Um, there was some flaws in the data, some inherent biases. Um, you know, typically Democrats stop the talk uh, to the to the exit poll folks. Uh, a lot of Republicans don't stop the talk, so right away your sample is flawed. Um, and then this year is just mind blowing. I mean, folks are still going to do exit polls this year. But, you know, you're going to be approached by someone that looks like Bob or Doug, you know, from <laughs> from from SpaceX, you know, with with the mask and the gloves and the gown. And it's not a friendly conversation. I just don't think it's going to be a friendly conversation. And they're going to be socially distant. Yeah, more than ever, it's complicated, right? Uh, it's very complicated. Um, so there was inherent flaws in in asking 
people and then you know basing data analysis on that um and then this year has just wiped it off the map um so we wanted to you know we wanted to we still wanted to have that information we wanted to know well, who is voting? Because the numbers we get when we count the votes themselves, it's obviously anonymous. There's no male, female. There's no what's your income and anything like that. Um, it's just the it's just how people voted. Um, for us to tell that story of every election, and every election is a story. Um, you know, we need the color. We, we need to understand why did the election go this way. You know, who voted? Who didn't vote? Who could vote but didn't? Um, so, uh, so the, the great data minds at AP uh, and, and over at the University of Chicago got together about five years ago and just started to tackle this, this problem, this problem of sample, this, this, this problem of trying to really get a much better sense of how the election is going to unfold, you know, in the coming hours on, on election day. Um, so that was the, uh, the beginning of this brand new uh, version of the exit poll uh, that we call vote cast. Um, so it's uh, it, it took a lot of guts, I think, at AP. I, I think for for anyone in 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 data science to stand up and say, ah, we got to think of a better way to do this. You know, that that takes some guts and it, it takes some courage, um, because so many of our business operations and, and processes and methods that we rely on are, are so culturally embedded that. Um, that it 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 <laughs> you got to put your neck out to pull off something like broadcast. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, so Dwight, I, information. So, go so ahead. I I think this is a great segue talking about the the trust and asking the questions to the culture mm -hmm. and connecting this to the enterprise. And I think enterprises one of the things that we see all the time is you want to go trust the data, but I, before you get there, you want to make sure that people are comfortable asking these hard questions. Mm -hmm. And, 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 I, and history tells us, right, when people start asking the, start, the hard questions and being skeptical and, and we have these conversations, changes occur and this goes to the kind of in a, in a forward direction. What, can, what is your experience and what can you share about creating that culture where we can ask those hard questions and, and how that generates positive change? Yeah. Well, I think we're sort of at an advantage because at AP to some degree, but I, I don't think we're exclusive in enterprise uh, in, in any way. Um, but I think one advantage we do have is that that's pretty much all we do every day is <laughs> just ask questions. Um, and, you know, we don't really believe anything until, you know, we see it and understand it and, and, and bet it. Um, so certainly, I think culturally, you know, we were predisposed to, to questioning the old ways, uh, you know, in this particular case, the exit pool. Um, but then it, but then you still have to make you know, it, it's just a lot of work. It, it's a lot. AP is a very conservative organization. Stuff doesn't change easily uh, at AP. Um, uh, you know, our standards are very, very high. Our ethics are very, very high. And we're, we're hyper protective, uh, you know, of that, because if we lose that, then we just fold up our tent and go home. Um, uh, so, you know, it, like I said, we started the vote cast concept about five years ago. And we, we, it really just started as this problem. Uh, something is not working. The exit poll is not working. We proved it wasn't working. And that was really the first step. Um, so, you know, the first thing we had to do is show our bosses that something is wrong with the way that we've been doing something. And here's the proof. 
Um, the proof was we showed the exit poll data from you know 2016, uh, and then we just showed the the election results you know from 2016, um, and that got us to the first sort of step. That was validation that yeah these 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 guys are onto something that maybe we do need to look at another model here, another approach. Uh, to changing how we collect this data and, and, and how we use this data and the methodology and whatnot. Um, so certainly proving to our bosses what was wrong um, was the first thing we had to do. Um, and then it was, then we really have to start thinking about, okay, well, what do we replace it with? Uh, and that was just an enormous amount of work. And, and in, in the data space, of course, it's, it's, it's slippery. Um, you can get led down different paths super easily, not even know it. Um, it's kind of like going through a, a maze. Um, so uh, it takes dedicated people. Uh, this was a core mission for us. So that was another thing in our favor. This was really important data for us. Um, you know, we've been doing this for decades, so it was very important. Uh, and, uh, and, and that helped us you know, get the resources necessary and, and, and the exact buy-in that we, we needed a different approach here. Um, but it was proof, 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 proof. I mean, it's a hard project. It is a difficult project. Um, it's not a business case. Uh, it's data. It's math. Um, and uh, uh, and it, it took, you know, we, we were stealth. We came up with a good methodology that we thought was solid. Um, and, uh, and the other thing that was huge about this product was the sample size. Um, you know, our, our sample size this November is going to be 140,000 registered voters. Uh, and if you think about a typical, you know, you, you see in the, in the news every day now, like, you know, a public opinion poll on who's going to win. And, and often those polls will be 1,000 people. Um, so VoteCast is 140,000. Uh, and then obviously it's weighted appropriately state to state to state. So it's really 50 surveys, you know, smaller surveys with a, with a gross sample of 140,000. Um, you know, so it was, it was just messing and, and, uh, and, and fooling around with all these different levers of methodology um, to test. And, and fortunately, you know, we had election results to compare it to. So we had an outcome that we could compare to, which just gave us, uh, you know, an immovable benchmark, which was super helpful for sure. Uh, and um, and then it was just you know roll up your sleeves, get going, keep proving it. Um, Sixteen, the methodology looked good. Um, it allowed us. So Votecast allows uh, you know we, we we do all these interviews in the in the hours before the election. Uh, everything sort of uh, compiled by about three p.m. on election day, um, and then you know we we can figure out who's going to win based on that data, even before the polls close. Um, in in uh, 2016, it was a small, 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 you know, stealth mode. We weren't licensing this, it was it was all in-house. And it, we called the rate four races there 100%. So the data told us who was gonna win and the data was right. Um, so that was super encouraging uh, in terms of our methodology. But um, there were still, you know, there. It, it helped us call the race, but it wasn't an exact match to the outcome. Um, so obviously we still had work to do. So this is just an, an ongoing, it's like a story that never ends. You're always adding to the story. You're always checking your facts. You know, you're always doing more interviews. You're, you're always, it's just never done. 
Um, so, so the team went to work and refined the methodology from 16. Uh, and then we went full blown production with the, with, with the project and the code in, in 18. Um, and it performed great. Um, but at 5 p.m. on election day Eastern, um, you know, we did our own internal analysis and, and we, we accurately were able to predict uh, correctly <laughs> the outcome of 92% of the Senate and governor races, uh, which is what we look at uh, for this product anyway. Um, and just to interject on that, you know, 92%, what would you compare that to in the past? Like what would be a, t a more typical benchmark on something like that? Um, well, we really try to be very, uh, you know, cautious in our race calls, but I I'd say certainly, you know, uh, I'd say comparable number prior to vote cast uh, in the 70s. Okay. You know, so, so using the traditional exit poll data, not not the vote cast data. Yeah. Um, so we've got growing confidence for us to make our decisions, you know, just based on this this new methodology and and this new approach to to talking to people. Um, another really important point, I think that that was that was vital in our methodology was, you know, the sample just can't be a number; it, it's got to be weighted properly. Um, and uh, you know, a huge thing that we we wanted to do with Votecast because we sniffed out this change as well. Um, in, you know, people all used to go to vote at a, at a polling station, at the school or whatever. But that started to change, um, I think, in a substantial way about eight years ago. And, uh, um, and it was changing rapidly in 16. It changed rapidly in 18. And COVID has kind of pushed us all into life in dog years. Like one year is now seven. Um, for humans, so uh, you you all know, and many of you have probably already voted. Um, how accelerated this this trend has become this year, um, and it's quite remarkable. Um, and it's it's causing it's causing concern, but not for us, um, because we designed Votecast when we looked at the methodology. We just said, hey, more people are voting in advance; they're not going to be available to to talk to at the exit poll. Um, so, you know, so good news is that we baked in a cohort uh, of advanced voters um, when we build out our samples. So we have to have so many people, you know, that that have voted in advance, either by mail or or whatever their method is. Um, so, um, yeah, so, uh, you know, so it's it's been an uh, it's been an experience. It's not done. We're going to learn a lot, I think, from this this election. And we'll just continue to refine the data and the methodology and learn from it and fuss over it um, and pay attention to what we got wrong. Uh, and obviously, there will be more elections um, and we just, we just expect and hope to, to continue to improve the product so that it continues to give us a very good sense of you know, why Americans uh, have the leaders they do. Mm -hmm. So no. I, I, I really like how we're, we talk about having methodology and refining the methodology and learning from our mistakes. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about the people, because I think this is an, an aspect when we talk about culture, it's not just it's the process and methodology is one aspect, but the people are key to that culture. Who are the people who does it? How are they to interact? What is it? What does a team look like? And, and again, what are the lessons learned here? Yeah. Um, a bold, courageous, curious, um, fearless, um, not afraid to make mistakes, not afraid to admit what they don't know, um, 
uh, open-minded, um, pleasantly critical. <laughs> um, these are all, and obviously the science, you, you got, you know, the, the, the grounding. So our, our data science team is, is a mix of journalists that love data and have, are self-taught and uh, see a whole new genre of news and, and, and news delivery uh, in this medium. Um, but then, of course, you know, we, we also have real scientists. You know, we, we've, got, we've got statisticians and, and data scientists on the team as well. Um, and together, it's, it's just magic. I mean, it, it's like, you know, I, I'm sure everyone's worked with engineers and uh, the best engineers aren't the folks who just take the spec and build. It's, it's the, they, they tear the spec apart. Um, you know, and, and, and they add to it and, and they're creative um, and they care about the product and they care about who the users of the product in particular. Um, so our data team is very much made up of, of folks like that. Um, you know, they're in the news business, so they also have a, a sharp public service kind of stream in their in their veins. Um, yeah. and, and I think this is important that we talk about a lot is understanding Who's the consumer of your data, right? We talk yeah. about producers of data, consumers of data, who, who, are the, who manage in the middle. Consumers of data is important. Vital, I, I, absolutely. I, I remember when I first got to AP um, and I was uh, on the biz side leading the build of a, of a, of a, of a platform that we were releasing. And, and I, I quickly realized that some of our engineers didn't know who was going to be at the other end of their code. Um, you know, and, and that was a problem. Um, easily solved. Um, but it really made the products <clears throat> much better, much more relative, much more, much softer, uh, and and so on. So, um, so yeah, Juan, that that's exactly right. Yeah. So I, I think getting getting understanding the people is crucial. Understanding the methodology around this stuff is is done. And I remember before we were talking something uh, when we were kind of pre pre preparing for this. I wrote this down is we don't know what was going to come out of the equation, but we know we had the best people on the left side of the equation. I yeah. think that's something that really hit me is having the best people, uh, which is something we've talked about before is, is, is really, really important here. And I think conversations that we had even in the, in the past summit is we want to be able to go hire the best people who understands who, who want to hit the ground running with the best data too. So we, all, we want to give them the best tools and we want to give them the best data so they can go do all the fantastic work with it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously thrilled and relieved and very happy that we've got incredibly talented, you know, data scientists on our team that, that help us produce amazing products. But at the same time, it would not be the same group with the same level of effectiveness were we not to have the journalists who bring the standards and and just the need for transparency and, and the digging. You know, when we get our hands on data, we have to go to court in some cases. We definitely have to file FOIA, Freedom of Information requests, in many cases. Um, no one's handing this out to us. <laughs> we have to fight for it. Um, so there's skills on our team, but the folks who, who have those skills, you know, they've got a big chip on their shoulder, and, uh, and they don't like authority, and, and they get their hands on the data that the authorities don't want them to get their hands on. That's a vital vital skill that, that we married up with solid data science skills and visualization skills and designers. Um, so uh, it's not just hiring the, the, the most talented people. I, I think it's having the peop having people that may not 
they may not be where you want them to be, but you know that they've got an ingredient that you can't live without. Uh, and in our case, it's this beautiful marriage of the craft of journalism, the ethics of AP journalism, the standards of AP journalism, married with really great data sourcing. Um, and then amazing distribution, like, you know, the end user, data.world provides an incredible interface to uh, our end users. I mean, with we work with you guys because a lot we know a lot of our users, um, they may not be great at writing these queries, right? Uh, they're, they're, they're newsroom people. Some are, some aren't. Um, but, you know, the, the, the platform, we, we pre-baked some queries in here and the, and the platform uh, allows uh, our data to be much more accessible to people, to your point, Juan. Um, so it, it's, it's just a real nice recipe <laughs> with a bunch of ingredients uh, to make what's on the right of the equal sign, you know, taste really good. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes total sense. And this is really, really great information. And I think that, you know, a lot of our audience is interested in how they can create uh, an environment of data trust, how they can create great data cultures and how they can create great data products, right? One of the topics we talk a lot about is this concept of data product management, and y'all do uh, really a, an amazing job over at the AP of doing that. Um, you know, as, as sort of a final question to wrap us up here before we do takeaways, you know, some, some of the companies that are out there, some of the folks in the audience, you know, I would say they're probably earlier on their journey and uh, are still trying to figure out how to build that data culture, how to create such big changes and movements like y'all have been able to do with AP VoteCast and all the other data journalism you're doing. You know, what would be your, you know, top tips to those companies that are trying to establish that, that, that culture and that trust in their companies? Yeah, just ask. I mean, you know, someone needs to be the instigator. There's no doubt about that. That's either someone, in our case, it, it, you know, I think it's a mix of product, really good product folks and, and, and some of our salespeople that are sort of pointed at new money. <laughs> you know, where is the new money here? Um, so, uh, so I think it's really just... A, asking people to raise their hands, um, you know, uh, because even if you hired, you know, data scientists to come in, I think in some cases, those folks are going to say, well, what should I do? What, what are we doing here? And, and they may definitely, you know, bring methodology and whatnot. But, but I think we're asking existing staff who's interested in this and doing that, that audit and that evaluation of people is a great way to start. Um, because they bring to the table the, the underlying principles, vision, uh, mandate, and, and goals of the organization. Um, and I think, uh, I, I think those folks are there. I, I think it's a fascinating art and, and science. I think a lot more people at all companies are, are starting to, to, uh, to, to hear at the very least that, wow, we may be sitting on a lot of money here with, with the data that is, is baked into servers all over the place. I'm sure every company's got, got folks who are thinking along those lines. Um, so, you know, I think the first step is is, is to try and find those people that, that have that interest and, and then you just build from there. Well, Dwayne, I told you that 30 minutes flies by and I know we can keep talking about this and we will uh, after we, we wrap up the session. But we I, we always have this tradition now. Let's go take do, let's go talk about our takeaways. So, Tim, what are your takeaways after these uh, quick 30 minutes that we've talking here with Dwayne? Yeah, sure. There's been so much that we've talked about here. And uh, I think that it's pretty incredible what y'all have done at the AP and, and all the, the different products and cultural things you've been able to do around data. 
Um, I would say that one thing that I heard you say that was a big takeaway for me was, you know, first of all, this idea of a success benchmark, right? You, you looked at 2016 and some of the things that were happening in the past, and you really thought about how you could evolve things over time. And so that felt like something that a lot of companies should look at. How can they be very data-driven and benchmark-driven about their evolution that they're doing? Um, and I really liked this idea that you kind of said around sort of prototyping, starting small, refining it. You tried it in 2016. You tried it in 2018. It sounds like you kind of grew that core group into a much larger movement within AP. Uh, and now it's become a major factor that's that's driving a lot of what you're doing uh, this year during this election. So um, that's awesome. I think there's a ton of takeaways there that our audience can apply in their own companies. And, and, and for me, I got two takeaways. One, ask why. You got to question the old ways and someone needs to be the instigator. So asking questions, asking is an important thing. And second, we need to have the people who are not afraid to make mistakes, people who are open-minded. We need to go get the best people around there. So the people who are willing to go ask why. Dwayne, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we'll give you the last word. Any call to actions? Uh, uh, what do you want people here to take away from you? And, and, and uh, yes, final sure. words. Uh, well, on behalf of all my colleagues at AP, uh, thanks for this opportunity. Um, it, it was great. I hope folks uh, uh, had, a, had a good half hour here. Um, you know, I think a couple things. So we're we're a 170 year old company, and we're kicking butt um, when it comes to, to data in, in certain sectors. Um, so that's meaningful. Um, you know, just because we're an old company uh, doesn't mean that we can't do new things. Um, uh, and then the other takeaway is lots more to learn. So you know, on on data.world, folks can find the vote cast uh, files from 2018. Um, you know, we always put an amazing summary and overview and all the caveats of the data and all that stuff. So so that's up there now. If anybody wants to go look at that, um, you can just search for VoteCast uh, at the, the top search bar there and you're good. Uh, and then, of course, our own .org site, so ap.org. Um, if anyone's interested in more of the election work that, that we do from the primaries to the general, um, you know, go to ap.org, click topics, you'll see politics and Away you go. Have fun. Awesome. Thanks so much, Dwayne. This has been a great conversation. Cheers. And we'll hang out after and we'll, we'll do a little more chatting. Sounds great. All right. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day. Thank you.